express our appreciation by saying amen around here, but ever so often a good hearty applause is okay as well. I was thinking about the song that they were singing, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, can you be brought under conviction with music? Absolutely. And I was thinking about what they were saying as they were singing, how marvelous is his works, and I was sitting there, Brother Turner, and I was thinking to myself, why in the world would I ever complain? Right? If God is so good. And listen, and, and that means even in what we would anticipate being a mess up or a difficult situation. Yesterday we had a memorial here for uh, Edna's mom at our church. And when we got here, Lucas and I couldn't figure out. And of course, I didn't even try to figure out because I don't even want to know how to run that soundboard back there. Because I'm sure I would truly mess it up. But as we got in here, we couldn't get the sound to work. And pretty soon we can start complaining or feeling a little frustrated. You don't know what I'm talking about? And then afterwards we had a, uh, uh, well, the, the food afterwards. And the ladies couldn't get the coffee pot going in that right, Carolyn? <laughs> Why doesn't the coffee pot work? I told Carolyn, I said, you know, hun, hun yeah. I guess you're old enough to call you hun, is that right? <laughs> That's all right, honey? Where's my honey? <laughs> and uh, I says, Carolyn, I says, these types of things, we need to remember that God allows those things to find out what's inside of us. They're tests. They're trials. And sometimes we don't like what's inside of us, isn't that correct? And sometimes if we don't pass those tests well, guess what happens? We have to, pass, we have to go through them again until... I, I, I barter with the Lord on these tests. I says, well, wasn't it at least a C minus? <laughs> God knows. God knows. And oh, Wednesday night, Brother... Uh, Dr. McCoy, where's Dr. McCoy? Is he in here? He's in security. All right, so he doesn't have to lift, listen to this to get his head puffed up. I want to tell you something. It was one of the most marvelous presentations I have ever heard about why good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And he dealt with this topic of how so many people accuse God for the evil that's in this world. Rather than accepting responsibility for the choices they make and being a part of a world that is a sinful world. And it was, it was marvelous. And those types of things and these kinds of things that we hear and, and what the choir is saying today and, and the orchestra. Wasn't that orchestra good this morning? I mean, we can, we can be blessed. We can be encouraged by what we hear, by what we go through. We are a work in progress. How many are a work in progress? How many have arrived? Let's shoot them, all right? None of us has arrived. I was, I was in the passage this morning, and Paul says, I press on. Press on. Press on. Let's grow. Let's keep on going. But, you know, evidence of growth is being born again. And so as we get into our scriptures this morning, they're in... Uh, Matthew chapter 7, if you'll take your Bibles there. Now, it's only 9 o'clock, which means that I have 
an hour and a half to preach. I appreciate people not changing that clock back there, so I have an hour and a half to preach. Isn't that the sovereignty of God? Would you not agree that there's something to be said there? Uh, we won't get hungry, by the way, until our stomachs that have been conditioned to eat at 1 o'clock or whenever, so we'll be all set. So you should be able to endure an hour and a half message. Right, Brother Rankin? I, I loved what we heard in the missions conference. The speaker got up. Uh, was he from uh, Peru? And he says they ain't got started yet until they've been going for at least two hours. We in America have been Americanized. Have you noticed that? We want the microwaves. We want the instant this. And if our phone or if our computer gives us a nanosecond, too much. Isn't it just the most horrible thing in the world, Richard, when those kinds of things happen to us? God help us. Father, I pray that you'll help us this morning to get the message. And Lord, we've had a wonderful morning already. And truly, the music has been just outstanding. We've come to glorify you, and I pray that you've been pleased with what you've heard. I pray that you're pleased with what's going on in our lives as well. We truly want to please you. I pray that, Lord, that you'll just help the speaker this morning, but also the listener today. Help us to listen well as we come to the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. In Jesus' name, amen. Almost a year we've been in the Sermon on the Mount. Almost a year, three chapters in the Bible. Lot said they're considered the greatest message of all. And here at the end of his message, he begins to give us warnings. He wants to warn us that there'll be ways out there It'll be the right way and the wrong way. Both of them, as Brother Turner brought to our attention, are saying this way to heaven. No one wants to get on a way that's leading to hell. Would you agree with me? And so everybody thinks they're on the way to heaven, and yet they fail to realize there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross. So he warns us about that. Then he warns us about false teachers. By the fruits you shall know them. And then, not only knowing about false teachers and knowing about the right way and making sure that you've discovered the right way, he gives a very stern warning. And we've uh, spoken on this now at least two Sundays, and I'd be remiss not to at least address it a little bit longer because I didn't finish my message last week, and that is in verse 21. He says, and not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, verse 21 of Matthew 7, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And what is the will of the Father? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to Christ. God doesn't want anybody to be in the hell, but he lets you make the choice. And I want to encourage you on the choices that you make, that you make the right choices. And most of us have already made that right choice to get in the right way and to uh, they were called the way in the New Testament. That was uh, a name that was given to the early church, the way. Maybe derogatory, but yet today, I'm glad I'm on the right way. But you find a stern warning here that says, hey, there's people that are out there. In verse 22, many will say in that day, well, Lord, we've done these things. We've prophesied. I mean, all these are good things. And thy name cast out devils. I mean, these are things that actually took place. The devil's failures is not 
the moral people that are in church, the devil's failures are those that have allowed the sins of this world to bring them to such uh, a debacle of their own lives. There are many good people that consider themselves good that will be in hell. However, if you look at what God says, God says there is none good. No, not one. And we need to understand that. So there's a important understanding of what is good. And they say, we've done all these things. And so as we, we talk about this, and, and, and he says, and there, verse 23, a very stern warning, he says, I profess unto them, I never knew you. How many want to hear that when you stand before the judgment? We are on a journey to the judgment. Some of us will stand before that judgment seat of Christ. We'll be judged according to what we do. And some are on that uh, judgment that's called the great white throne judgment. Those who stand before the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20 says, will all be cast into the lake of fire. You don't want to be there. Their names were not written in the book of life. But we're on this journey. We're on this journey. And, and as your pastor, I want to make sure... Westside Baptist Church, whether you're a member or not, you attend here that you are on your journey to heaven and you know that you know where you're going to spend eternity. I don't want to deceive anybody by a false profession. That's what we've been talking about. And here what we see is that these people were depending on getting to heaven because they'd cast out devils. They've done miracles. Can a lost person do a miracle? Absolutely. Can a lost person lead someone else to Jesus Christ? Yes, because of the power of God's word. Sure, I told Dr. Bob Sr. told this uh, years ago about a band that he sat with. It was a Civil War uh, veteran. So you can imagine how long ago that was. And we was talking about a young boy that was dying in the camp. And the sergeant came, and I guess, I forget what the disease was, measles or something like that had broken out. And... It had taken many soldiers of uh, the army that was there, and the, uh, the sergeant came and saw a young lad about 17 or 18 years of age, and he was, he, was, he was beginning to drown over his own saliva and not able to swallow and everything. And, and he said to the, 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 uh, the sergeant, he says, listen, he says, I'm going to die, and I need to know how to get to heaven. The sergeant says, well, I don't even believe that stuff. He's told the little boy, he says, you'll be okay. Little boy, 17. Came back and saw the conditioning worsen and, and uh, the sergeant came and tried to comfort him and, and the, the young man said to the sergeant, he says, if you don't believe in this, at least go get the chaplain, I'm going to die. As the sergeant went away, he remembered what his mother had told him about how to get to heaven and he says, I told the boy, he says, I don't I don't really uh, believe it, but why don't you try it? And he started quoting John 3.16. That's the only thing he knew. And as he quoted John 3.16, he says, why don't you repeat this after me and just see what, what it, if it helps. And he thought maybe he'd at least give the young lad a little hope. For God so loved the world young man said, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, 
that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him, that whosoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life. Shall have everlasting life. The young man laid there on his deathbed and he said, Whosoever believeth in him, whosoever, whosoever, Sergeant, whosoever is me, and I believe, and God has given to me eternal life, you go tell your mother it does work. With that, the young man took his last breath and died. That sergeant was the one telling Dr. Bob Sr. the story. He turned to Dr. Bob Sr. and he said, you know what? It does work. Amen and amen. We thank the Lord for the power of God's word. Isn't that right, Pastor Nathan? I tell you what, us preachers up here would be nothing if it wasn't for the power of the Word and the power of the Spirit. And so here it is, as these people were trusting in their works. Works does not save us. But there's something else I want to bring out before I go into this next section, which to me is, is another very stern warning. And you see the title of my message which is, how well will your house do in the storm? We ask ourselves, why do we serve the Lord? You know, these people and this passage, they were busy. They were engaged. And we find people today being very busy and very engaged. And, and sometimes our busyness can actually cause us to miss what is actually going on in our lives. Here, these people were lost, but to us who are born again, can we get busy serving the Lord for the wrong motive? They here were serving the Lord so they could get into heaven, but what about us? Why do we serve the Lord? Why do we do what He wants? Why do we go to church? Why do we read our Bibles? Why do we pray? Is there any real benefit to these things? I want to tell you, after 46 years of salvation and 38 years now going into the ministry, I can rest assured that there is great benefit, greater benefit than I ever recognized when I got started. And I have no regrets that my life has led me on a journey of progression and growth, and I have continued to be a work in progress. How about you? It can create such a passion in our soul because it is real. And just like that sergeant began to understand it was real about his salvation, so is our service, so is our King of Kings, and so is our Lord. And someday we're going to stand before him and give an account of what we have done with the life that he has given to us. Dr. McCoy on Wednesday night, he he talked about how that uh, a person had committed suicide and the mother had said, why would a God, 
a benevolent God allow a man, uh, my son, to commit suicide? Dr. McCoy said this to her. He says, you know, you're asking the wrong question. He says, a God of love is a God who gives us choices. Why would we take one of the greatest gifts that God has given to us, and that is choices, and use it for evil? You see, so often people are blaming God for what's going on rather than accepting the responsibilities of the choices. And then he talked about how do you know what's good and bad, and that was a very interesting comment. We need to focus on, even in our own lives, as we serve the Lord, are we serving Him out of a heart that wants to do it because we love Him? When I first got saved, and I've told you this before, I grew up in a Catholic background so that I realized, and my parents were disciplinarians. You all know what I'm talking about. I grew up in a generation where the parents believed in discipline. And my dad really believed in discipline. And I want to thank the Lord for it. But as we learn those kinds of things in our homes, by the way, parents oftentimes are the first reflection of who God is as a father to their children. That's why God says that you must be born again and then he becomes our father. And uh, is it Ephesians chapter 1 says that God loves us as much as he loves his own son. Man, that is amazing to me. It's either Ephesians 1 or John 17. I can't remember. Is it Ephesians 1? I, I thought it was there, but sometimes I get confused. How many get, ever get confused? You ever get confused? Uh, you get confused whether you should raise your hand or not, you know. And so I... I learned at an early age to fear God. Even before I was saved, I learned to fear God. And so when I got saved, I I didn't want to do wrong because I feared he would bonk me over the head or take me to the woodshed. By the way, God has taken me to the woodshed enough times that I realize I don't want to go there again, all right? So there's nothing wrong with fearing God. But that is a child that can come in and learns those disciplines. And that's what they say is the first six years of raising your children is in that aspect of disciplines. And then you train them. And my dad and my mom, they trained me. And I I am so thankful for the training. And in the training, you begin to realize that there are rewards for doing some good things. And so then, now I'm starting to serve the Lord because, man, I want some of these rewards. Is there anything wrong with wanting rewards? No. How about even to God? God says in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, he said, uh, uh, he says, but he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. And there is motivation that someday we are all going to be rewarded. God puts it in the Bible. Then I came to understand that it's more than fear, retribution, or rewards. It's about a relationship with Him. And I tell you what, when you and I grow in love with the Lord as we ought to be, 
Brother Aaron, it is a wonderful way to live. You see, all of us are serving the Lord, and sometimes we can get tired in our service. I was, I was talking to Brother Gary this morning, and he's my trombone partner. I tell you what, and, and I appreciate Brother Gary. I really do. And, and I, I was asking him how it was going, and, and, uh, and we were talking about these transitions of our life when you start getting into your 60s. you all know about those transitions when you're 60s? And we are talking about that and how that, uh, uh, that uh, in these transitions that we have to learn how to make the next transition. And really, that transition of our life is a preparation for the next transition. I says, because when we get as old as Wayne Johnson, <laughs> there ain't no more transitions until you get to glory. Isn't that right, Wayne? So we adjust. But I told Brother Gary, I says, you know what? That's what makes the journey enjoyable. We continue to be a work in progress until God takes us home. We come to the place where it's not about us. It's about him. It's about our love for him. It's about reflecting him. And I want to tell you something. I've written down, and I've told you this again, uh, time and time again. I've written in my prayer journal that this year God has spoken to my heart about now I want to bring him pleasure. I want to please him. Can we have a tendency to live to please ourselves? Absolutely. Until we examine what's going on in our lives. But I want to ask you a question. How well did you please the Lord this past week? Let me ask you this question. Would it please the Lord to allow an entire week to go by without you sharing your faith? Would it please the Lord for an entire week to go by without getting into his word? Would it please the Lord for an entire week to go by without giving thanks to him and praising him? You see, we grow up. Sometimes we might need to change the batteries of our life. Now, first of all, you need to get the right battery. Amen to that. Hey, listen to this passage here. In the end times, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 says, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. There are people who are in church who are doing these amazing things, but they don't have the power of God in their lives. That power of God in Philippians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says, And being found in Him, amen to that, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I might know Him. And the power of his resurrection. It's interesting, it doesn't stop there. The fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. death. We, we don't want to stop just after the power of resurrection. Everybody wants power, but oftentimes they don't want the suffering that goes along with power. My question this morning is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you have God living inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit, as it says here. Uh, Hereby we know that 
we dwell in him, he in us, because we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Power to live above sin. Power to, to deny ourselves. Power to do what's right. Power to love him. Power to go through a coffee pot that doesn't work. Amen. I, I give this because Carol and I yesterday were crying on each other's shoulder, basically. But we were doing a good job for each other because iron sharpens iron. And as I had my tests beforehand and didn't do so well with it, but God broke my heart about it, I got at least right with God enough to come and help my sister and us to go through the struggles. And Bob, where's Bob Ellis? Is he in here? Where's everybody? Oh, there he is. I, I got I to gotta adjust you my trifocals here, all right? That's one of the transitions of life. When a DVD player doesn't work, it tests us. Isn't that right? We all know about it. Car doesn't start. Get a flat tire. Whatever those. And by the way, we think that's suffering. Notice here, as we go back to that passage there, he says, and his suffering being conformed to his death. I tell you what, the coffee pot, the sound system, the DVD player, the flat tire, the getting up this morning and losing an hour of sleep. (laughs) By the way, how many went to bed an hour early last night? I won't feel sorry for anybody else, all right? I went to bed at 8.30 last night. Oh, you say, how could you do that? You know why I did that? Because I love you enough to go to bed early enough so that this preacher doesn't wake up grumpy. You say, preacher, you sure sound grumpy. No! I'll show you grumpy sometimes. Isn't that right, Lucas? You can see grumpy sometimes for me. Isn't that right? So we go into this, this power. Have you been saved? God gives you that power. And then is there a fire in your soul? We're praying about a summer intern this summer. And and to our staff and to all of us that serve the Lord, there needs to be fire in our soul. I tell you what, the orchestra played like there was fire in their soul this morning, didn't they? The choir sang as if there's fire in their soul. It is thrilling. Yes? I learned something last week. I was going to use an illustration and all. I have uh, smoke detectors in my house. How many have smoke detectors in your house? You don't have one, get out, all right? (laughs) They're important to have. There are smoke detectors that have lithium batteries in it that last 10 years. Uh, You usually can tell after 10 years when the battery goes out because it does what? Annoying, isn't it? The people who designed this realize that people in the house aren't always that smart, and so they put the little chirp in there. And so what do you do? You get another lithium battery or you replace the smoke detector. Some of them are hardwired in. By the way, we are all hardwired in. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. But even a hardwired in smoke detector can 
I have seven of these in my house, I believe. Seven of these. And Brother Rankin, it's amazing when one starts chirping, it seems like they all start chirping, doesn't it? And so I would put in another battery. And it didn't fix it. Didn't fix it. Ever had that problem? How many of you have ever had that problem? Yeah. Now listen up. I learned something. Went over to Coleman. I mean, my son said, hey, you know what I do when these things, uh, the battery goes out? I throw them away and I put in something else. And that's basically what I've done. I've taken them, however, because I'm a very frugal person. You all know what I'm talking about, very frugal. I have them in my closet. <laughs> Ever so often they go chirp in my closet, too. I guess you should remove the battery that's in it. I haven't thrown them away. I went over to the Coleman house uh, last week because they had, uh, the guy says, he says, the the smoke alarm is chirping. And I says, well, put a new battery in it. And he says, it's still chirping. And I went over there, and he had the kind like I had. They're hard-wired in. And I thought to myself, David, I've been there before, and maybe I put in a battery that didn't work, or it was uh, uh, not working, you know, it was a dud battery. You can take a battery that you got and think it's new, and it's not. So I went over there, and I says, oh, God, help this to be an easy fix. How many like easy fixes? <laughs> yeah. And I went over there, and I thought, I could fix this. I brought my Duracell battery over there, and I plugged it in, and it had the audacity to keep chirping. It says, this doesn't make sense. So guess what I did? Now... I broke down, I went to Jerry's, and I bought a new smoke alarm. Took it back, same kind that was there. I took it back, plugged it in, put my battery in, and guess what? Chirp! There's a couple things we can learn from this. You say, preacher, where are you going? Number one, is it like those coffee pots and sound things and everything else that goes on in life? Does God work with our patience? He does. Time is precious to me. i got to get to bed by 8.30. <laughs> and this thing is chirping. I'm thinking to myself, I bought a... I don't know if you know this, Mike. This thing is still chirping at me. And what it was... It was the kind of battery. Now, most of us would have thought that a, uh, what are these, uh, that uh, the carpet cups? Alkaline batteries would work just amazing. But I looked at the new one, and it came with a low-cost, heavy-duty, cheapo battery in it. And I thought, because I took it out and I put the alkaline in because I thought that. I, I went and put in the heavy-duty battery, and guess what, Mike? It didn't chirp anymore. 
and I learned a lesson. In fact, I learned a lot of lessons. God allows the difficulties in our life to learn things. And I learned something that night that sometimes we can put the wrong battery in to a smoke detector and we think we're doing what's right and yet God has the right battery. And this low-cost battery oftentimes reflects who we are. God wants to be glorified not through the high-tech batteries but through using our life. Amen to that? And I learned put in the right battery. If you are struggling in your Christian life, you know you've been born again. And in your service for the Lord, and by the way, this transition of getting into our new church has been labor intensive. We thought it would be easy and every problem would go away once we got into our new building. Didn't we feel that way, Gary? I did. He says, are you pointing at me as if I'm the only culprit around here? I'm going to tell you something. We thought, man, we've, got, we've arrived. God has lessons for all of us to learn. And sometimes the chirping can be annoying. God wants us to grow. God wants us to develop through the sound system, through the coffee pots, and through our understanding of why are we serving Him. We want to bring Him pleasure. Amen to that? You know what? And, and Brother Turner, I, I, I believe that through these things that God has been growing my life in the sovereignty of God. To understand, yes, good things do happen to bad people and bad things do happen to good people. But I have a sovereign God who knows what's best for my life. And instead of fighting it and complaining, I need to be praising Him for all things. Yes or no? That is obedience to his command. And by being obedient to his command, and by being be obedient to what he wants, notice what he says. Notice what he says. And I don't have time to even start this message. That was just an introduction, all right? But God wanted us to hear that this morning. He wanted all of us to hear it. I need to hear it. How many needed to hear that this morning? Can I see your hands? We all need to hear it. But I want to ask you a question. Did you hear it? Notice what he goes on. He gives us now another warning. And I'm going to read this passage. And next week we're going to have Jeff Musgrave here. And we're not going to be able to get into it. But I want you to ponder this. Because as we have said, how horrible it would be. To hear, I never knew you. How horrible it is when the storms of life come and your house crumbles. Notice what he says here. He says, therefore, whosoever, there's that whosoever again, isn't it? Is the whosoever for that? Soldier, the whosoever for us as well today. For whosoever heareth, listens, listens. I've bolded it there on the screen. Listens. There are so many things that can be bring distraction. 
I thought yesterday, why don't they have time change on Saturday or Friday night instead of Saturday night? Oh, they don't want to mess up anybody's fishing excursion. And they have minimized us getting up and going to church on Sunday morning. Distractions. Distractions can come through what we've done with our lives. And, and, and I personally believe that there is an agenda to bring distractions. I praise the Lord that this morning we've not had any distractions. Things have worked well. But I tell you what, on television, they have to bring a commercial every seven minutes, and it causes us to pay attention for that period of time, and then we've got to change. Can you imagine sitting in church today and the preacher does go an hour and a half? Could our minds be able to comprehend that? And now the Lord is bringing the very conclusion of this message and he has preached chapter 5 and chapter 6 and the main part of chapter 7. He says, now whosoever hears, listens to these things that are part of this Sermon of the Mount and then goes out and what? Does it. James tells us, don't be hearers of the word only, but be ye. So this morning, can we be doers of what we've listened to this morning? You see, a message comes to its conclusion in a service, which should never come to a conclusion in the operation of our lives. We're going to give an invitation this morning. We're going to talk and we're going to just invite anyone who is, is not absolutely certain of their eternal destiny to come and get saved if God's speaking to your heart. Maybe this morning you've grown a little flat or you've looked at some things and maybe we've complained or maybe we've, we've just said, you know what, Lord, I just need to hear this. I need to get my eyes back on the Lord and, and, and or I just, I just, I have... Dude, we can, come to, we can come to the altar just to give thanks and praise to God because we listen and God spoke in whatever fashion he spoke. He says, he that heareth mine words and doeth them, I will liken unto him as a what? Wise man. Or you want wisdom? There's a good remedy. There's a good prescription for wisdom. Listen and do. If God has spoken to our hearts this morning, we need to put things in place that causes us to continue to do what he tells us to do. Brother Gary, as you and I get older, we're not as old as Wayne Johnson, but as you and I get older, we've got to put in place the things that bring our memory. Isn't that, Wayne, do you have things in place that help you to remember? Yeah. We all need that, isn't that, Brother Rankin? The same thing. I'm not going to beat myself up because I can't remember. I might beat myself up because I'm not trying to write some things down, do something about it. You know, we all have our memories going. But God says, he that hears these things and then goes out and do it. And the challenge this morning is, will we go out and do what we've heard today? He's likened unto the wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended. By the way, I love it. And I, I, can't, I can't go any further. The rain, I, I, I'll read these verses. 
the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it didn't fall, because it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doesn't do them, he shall be like the foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. Rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And how great was that fall. Father, I pray that we'd be wise this morning. And so as we come to this invitation time, if there's folks that need to be saved, oh God, help them to get saved. And there's folks that just need to come and say, thank you, Lord, for a church that we can come to, and we can prepare our hearts to listen and to learn. And to follow. Lord, help us to do what you've asked us to do now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing, On Christ the solid rock I stand. If God spoke to your heart in whatever way, you can thank him for that in your seat. But I encourage you, as God works, that we'll respond accordingly. You've played for us. Amen. Let's sing it. Christ the solid rock I stand all 